All right, good morning, Chapel Hill. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along in. We're going to cover a couple of passages, one from the Old Testament and one from Matthew 13 once again. So if you don't have a Bible with you, um, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use to follow along with. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, please take the one that you're given and um, take it with you and dig into it. Um, It has been quite a week. Um, Just got back Monday evening. I got back from a a trip. We took a road trip to Michigan for a few days. Uh, We had a long break with the kids. And um, it, was, it was an amazing trip. And then early Tuesday morning, uh, went to a prayer breakfast for Haiti Teen Challenge and was able to lead part of that prayer time with that group of people that was there. And it was a very, very powerful time. Then Friday evening uh, was the Amnion Banquet. And um, I had been asked to uh, give a blessing over the meal and a benediction at the end. And uh, that too was just a, a great Great event, um, huge turnout, um, a wonderful evening and a great ministry. Um, those are two ministries that we support as a church and um, if you don't know much about them, um, go to our outreach wall out here and find more information because it really is, these really are tremendous ministries that we support and they're doing incredible work. Um, and just a, a reminder here before I get into the word with you this morning, I just want to lift up our high school students and leaders that are up at Trout Lake right now. Um, and they are right at this moment um, in chapel up there, their final chapel of the weekend. So let's lift them up in prayer before we begin. Father, I do thank you for uh, the ministry of Trout Lake Camp and for uh, these incredible fall retreats and so many other things that happen there, um, the way that you have provided for this ministry is just incredible, and, and I thank you for what they're doing. I thank you for this group of students and leaders that we have up there, and I ask, Father, that right now um, you would speak especially to our students, that you would just um, draw them close to yourself, that this truly would be a transformational time that they have up there, and that as they come back, they wouldn't just forget what they've experienced or what they learned, how their eyes were open or their hearts were softened but this would affect them permanently in their walk with you especially. Um, Give them safety on the way back, and uh, thank you for these leaders that have been there serving them throughout the weekend. Uh, We just lift them all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I have a new parable for you this morning, and this is how it goes. The kingdom of Paul is like a family who went on vacation over the MEA break. The king and his family drove to Michigan to see the queen's sister. While in Michigan, the king's son went fishing with his brother. The boys were trying to match the fishing success of their father that day. They failed. While fishing, the king's son got his lure stuck in a tree. His brother, moving to the other end of the boat, agreed to help him free the lure. The brother tugged and pulled, finally releasing the lure from its snag with great force and speed. Some lures fall in the water. (laughs) Some lures fall on land. This lure fell, well... (laughs) What is the meaning of this parable, they asked. And the king answered, this is not what is meant by fishers of men. 
And yes, I made yet another trip to the emergency room with my son (laughs) to get this hook removed from his cheek. It was buried in there pretty good. Uh, We make memories. We really do. And we do catch fish. We're just not safe to be with when we're fishing. (laughs) All right. In our current series of messages about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, we've been looking at some of Jesus' parables found in Matthew 13. He said a lot using parables. And we're not done with our look at parables. Jesus used more of them. But back when he was using them, his disciples asked him why he was using them. And so Jesus answered them. And this is important for us to see as well. And the reason we're doing this series is so that we can have a better, clearer picture of what Jesus was saying when he talked about the kingdom. And the reason we're talking about kingdom is because God has given this church a new vision to carry us into our future. And that vision is to move this generation from culture to kingdom. So we'd better know what that destination looks like. What is kingdom? And as I've expressed already in this series, the kingdom may be far more than what we once thought it was. The kingdom is not merely a religious term that we drop It's not simply a theological belief. It's not some distant, far-off land that we're referring to. The kingdom is much more, both in the scope of what it is and the time span which it covers. Last week, Peter took us back to the beginning of the Bible, and he walked through some great historical perspective on the kingdom. And all of this influenced what Jesus said and did as the king of this kingdom, And this morning I want to look at something that Jesus said in responding to the question of why he spoke using parables. And so even before we get to his response, we're going to take a look at something that was said 700 years before Jesus came. And this is very significant. This gives us an even clearer look at the kingdom. This is part of the picture. And remember that this is a picture far more than it is a definition While we were in Michigan, um, we visited my sister-in-law, Carol, and Carol is in the process of having a new house built. She purchased two and a half acres of land out in the countryside, and that land includes this beautiful little creek that flows right through it. And down next to that creek is this incredible ancient willow tree drawing on the creek for water and for nutrients. And this tree amazes me. I'm, I'm willing to guess that this tree could be 200 years old. The trunk at the base of this tree is enormous. The branches reach farther than any willow I've ever seen. And it's like this giant umbrella in this perfect spot down by the creek. Just an amazing tree. And we talked a little bit about how a little pruning would make this tree even healthier, getting rid of some of the dead wood that's accumulated on the tree over the many, many years that this tree's been alive. Uh, mostly, I just stared in wonder at this willow tree. And what never entered my mind for even a second was the thought of this tree being cut down. I could never entertain such a thought. It was a spectacular tree. But we're about to read about a vision that God gave to a prophet named Isaiah that was about a tree getting cut down, an ancient tree, one more than 200 years old by far. 
So turn to Isaiah chapter 6. This chapter is about a vision. God gave this vision to his prophet Isaiah. God was speaking to his people through Isaiah. This is one of the ways God has communicated through the ages. Through much of the Old Testament in the Bible, this is what we see. Prophets speak on God's behalf. And so listen to what this prophet saw and heard. Isaiah chapter 6 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. All right, let's talk for a few minutes about that stump. This is quite a picture, and it helps us understand what God was doing at the point of time when Jesus came, and even specifically when he spoke using parables. The tree, the oak, was a picture of the kingdom of God being established over thousands of years among his people, an ancient people, a people planted close to God, the living water, they thrived because they belonged to the king. But they lost sight of their king. They replaced his wisdom with their own, his power with their own, his authority with their own. They replaced him with themselves. Even after all that they had received through him as their king, they rejected him and his authority. That tree had to be cut down. A remnant would remain, a stump. And in spite of the tree being cut down, it would not die. Life remained in the stump in a new 
shoot. And that shoot was Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven would be rebuilt through him. This vision was referenced by Jesus in his explanation to his disciples of why he used parables. So now turn to Matthew chapter 13. The response that we'll hear from Jesus makes so much more sense in light of Isaiah's prophecy. This was all part of an eternal plan that Jesus was carrying out. So let's read together. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now go down to verse 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Okay, so as we can see, Jesus certainly had his reasons for speaking in parables. I came up with five words that helped me remember his reasons. I don't believe that there is just one reason for the parables, and I don't believe that these reasons are as simple as one word. They're complex, but I want to allow this to sink in and so, so that I can get a, a clearer, deeper picture of the kingdom. The first reason that I identified for Jesus speaking in parables is to reveal, to reveal Jesus obviously wanted to reveal the truth about his kingdom to his followers. He said that it had been given to them to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He gave it to them. This was intentional. God's people had lost sight of his kingdom. They had developed the belief that God's kingdom would come in human kingdom fashion, big, flashy, conquering, warlike fashion, but they were wrong. And so Jesus revealed in his parables that his kingdom was not coming that way. His kingdom would operate more like leaven working its way through a batch of dough or like a small mustard seed that gradually spread its branches to welcome the birds to find security in them. Jesus revealed a lot through his parables. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited to look into the kingdom with you for a season is so that 
we don't ever take for granted what God has done for us. Look at the incredible privilege that Jesus makes mention of in his explanation of why he spoke in parables. In verse 16, he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. How blessed are we? We're seeing more revealed than some of the great people mentioned throughout the Bible who didn't get to see what we see in Jesus and his kingdom. Second reason for the parables that I think we see here is to conceal. First to reveal, but also to conceal. Jesus said that even the, the little bit of light that those who rejected him possessed would be taken from them. Those who rejected the fact that Jesus was the Messiah would not see the kingdom. Their eyes would be blinded, their ears would be closed. They would not be able to understand. So be glad you're not in their shoes. Because you'd be living in darkness. The next thing that I want to highlight is the aspect of connecting with people through parables. While the kingdom was truly only revealed to those whom God chose to reveal it to, Jesus did a great job of connecting truth to his followers. Just look at the objects and topics and examples that he chose. Jesus talked in his parables about things like farming, fishing, and other familiar concepts From wheat to weeds to treasure to nets, eyes had been opened and easily relatable concepts helped drive the point home. Think about his use of the leaven as an example. There's something that may not be quite as familiar to us, but it was sure familiar to a culture in which they made and ate fresh bread every single day. Some examples didn't go too deep. Take, for instance, the limited material that I gave Peter to work with last week. (laughs) A net. And the depth that I was hoping to find there myself really wasn't there. It was an analogy about God's judgment and it needed a net. The positive thing about the net is that it was cast wide beyond the nation of Israel to include you and me but it truly was just a net. So sorry, Peter, I'll give you the leaven passage next time. (laughs) The next reason that I could see was the way the kingdom was being renewed and how well parables communicated that. Back at the beginning of the message, I talked about the picture of a tree being cut down that God gave Isaiah 700 years before Jesus. Israel was that tree. But in that analogy, the stump was still there. And out of that stump grew a new shoot on its way to creating a renewed tree. Now think about some of the parables that use the image of a seed. Those seeds came from an original source, but they brought with them the ability to renew life from the DNA that was put in them by their parent plant. And so some parables communicated that renewing that Jesus brought with him, that new life. Finally, there's the aspect of fulfillment. In verse 35, Jesus said that he used parables to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet 
And some Bibles add the prophet's name here and refer to the prophet Isaiah. And once again, God said that this would happen. There's so much in the writing of the prophets that had to be fulfilled during Jesus' time. This couldn't have been the only reason that Jesus used parables, but it was one of the reasons he used them. God had spoken to and through the prophets many, many years before, and now that prophecy was being fulfilled. Church, what a privilege it is to be alive in this day and age. Now, this world has certainly strayed from God in its own ways. I won't deny that. This world could use some of God's mercy. But for all its problems, I wouldn't trade being alive right now for anything. We have at our fingertips the Bible in our own language, in our own hands, in multiple forms. We have obstacle-free access to that book and its truths. We have resources beyond anything any generation has ever had. But more than that, we have been given the gift of seeing, hearing, and understanding the words of Jesus and the picture that Jesus was painting of the kingdom We can see history point to it. We can hear the prophets speak of it. We can understand what Jesus said about it in his parables. We have been given an incredible gift and that gift comes to us through the gift that Jesus left for us. His spirit who guides us into all truth. What's hidden to some, we are being asked to seek. Seek first God's kingdom. It's our highest priority, Chapel Hill. And we've got to embrace it. The kingdom has to be our highest pursuit. And here's the greatest encouragement we can receive in our pursuit of this kingdom. We have been given the ability to see, hear, and understand what Jesus is showing us. So let's go after it. And may we encounter the king every step of the way. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward now and the worship team as well. And I want to remind you that there is a a congregational meeting immediately following the service in this room. Um, It's going to be very short. We're just going to vote on a few changes to our constitution, um, some improved wording and scripture references for our statement of faith, and an extension of the time required for our finance team to get an audit to the church, um, kingdom stuff like that. If you have kids downstairs, and you, but you want to be here for that brief meeting, don't worry about your kids, they're gonna be taken care of, we're ready for that, so stay and, and be here to, uh, to take a step forward with us as a church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Will you pray with me? God, once again, I I find myself in a state of thanksgiving, thanking you for not leaving us alone to figure out things that you said. We don't hear abstract parables and walk away wondering what that meant. You've given it all to us. You've given us the words of your son, Jesus Christ, as he spoke of the kingdom of heaven. 
You've even given us his explanation to his disciples of what those parables mean. And then beyond that, an explanation of why Jesus used parables in the first place. And I just ask that you would help us to never, ever take that for granted. Father, we desire your kingdom. We seek your kingdom first. And your righteousness. We want to be obedient to what Jesus said. We want to to follow through on the words that were spoken by him that have come to us now and seek that kingdom first. And I thank you for the journey that you're guiding us on, for the steps that we're taking together, for the way that this picture is coming into view and how all of history is being tied into this picture that you're giving us. And God, I ask that this would become a personal quest for each and every one of us, not just a priority for us as a church or a vision statement, but it would be our first pursuit for every single one of us that we would get up in the morning and say, Father, show me your kingdom today. Father, your kingdom come here today just like it is in heaven. Father, use me as an ambassador of your kingdom. And God, we thank you for the many, many ways in which your kingdom is expanding around the world. Thank you that it has unstoppable power, limitless reach. And we thank you that you've called us into being used by you to spread the word of your kingdom. Teach us to do that well as you show us your kingdom. So I ask once again, Father, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, here, here in Chapel Hill, as it is in heaven. Amen.